the incredible amount of coverage of my pacifist percent completion. This is the list of all the websites that have covered me completing pacifist in a variety of different languages. I know it's like, like 50 things. So there's like English, Spanish, French, Greek, Italian, Japanese, German, Polish, Czech, Portuguese, Chinese, Russian, Norwegian, Vietnamese, Slovak, Ukrainian, Indonesian, Hungarian. They all were like, it took him three years to finish it, man. Like in reality, I think I started like May 2019 and I finished it like May 2020. Probably took me like a year to get through the entire thing, like playing it on and off. But uh, it took me three years to edit it. And I was like, it took me three years to make this video. It's technically true. Yeah, so they've all said it took like a lot longer than it did. But I technically, I mean, yeah, it did take me that long to get out the series. So whatever, but the end result was 96 chat. Way down from like the 720 that those other jokers said was required to beat the game. It's because like when one person writes about it, like a lot write about it, you know, they kind of write the same stuff. Do you see IGN posts on Twitter? Uh, yeah, I did. But you know that most of them don't care. None of those people who wrote the article were like, Oh, fine. I love Pacifist, man. I'm, I'm so happy to see it finally end. It's hard for it to even be flattering, really, because all this is, is like one person wrote an article it got some traction and then like every other mainstream news outlet that has like a someone on staff who is just, you know, needing a certain amount of stories every week, basically copying it word for word. It doesn't translate over to many views on the actual video. Like I can see how many of the views are from external links. I think it was like 6% and that's not even necessarily all of them because I linked it like on Twitter and uh, my, my community post, for example. At the end of the day, what matters most is the YouTube algorithm. If the YouTube algorithm doesn't love you, then, you know. The episode's doing fine. It's It's got like 700,000 views. It should hit about a million and then just taper off. I was hoping for it to be like Grand Slam most amazing thing ever, especially because the money I spent on it. But it's, uh, it didn't happen, unsurprisingly. But I'm very proud of the episode. Happy with it. A website published the same article in three different languages. That doesn't surprise me, uh, Joshua Boy. Like, even YouTubers now, it's becoming far more common to, like, have a Spanish version of your channel. But, I mean, this is usually for channels that uh, don't do what I do, which is release, like, a video a day. These are the channels that make, like, one video a month, and it's a very big, impactful video. It isn't cost-effective to translate or, like, have dubbed over 30 videos a month, but it can be for, like, one a month. You know, Mr. Beast does it. I know Veritasium does it, for example. It's interesting that Spanish would be chosen because you'd think like, especially for younger audiences, wouldn't they be learning English as well as Spanish? If the final episode of Pacifist can't get to a million views in a week with 50 articles written about it and it being a fucking banger with the goddamn narrator from Stanley Parable in it, as well as custom cutscenes, then there's something wrong right now with the channel. The video had a ridiculously high click-through rate, a ridiculously high watch time, but it just didn't blow up, you know? It, it did good, but it's just like, that was a, the culmination of three years, and it's just like, man. Apparently, I'm in IGN's video. It's not a very popular video, but um, I'm curious how they cover this. As per usual, chat, reactions are totally fine if you're in the thing, so. See what they say, chat. And finally, a gamer known as Dark Viper AU just completed a pacifist playthrough of Grand Theft Auto V. As reported by GamesRadar, Dark Viper AU finished the game with only 96 kills, 
So does that really count as a pacifist run <laughs> if your body count still hovers near triple digits? Still an impressive feat, since most players will probably kill 96 people in the first few minutes of driving around Los Santos. So how did he do it? He let NPCs do most of the killing where violence was unavoidable, and he relied on stealth permissions where you didn't have to kill anyone. I mean, that was a pretty good summary. And I think her skepticism was entirely justified. Is it really a bachelor's run when you kill 96 people? We'll get it down to individual digits, chat. That is the goal now. We're at two digits. If I can get it down to less than 10, I think that's pretty good. Wouldn't you agree? Like, imagine I got down to less than 10. I've already improved it a little bit, chat. That footage hasn't come out yet, but, you know, that would be impossible. I bet you would have said it was impossible to kill less than 100 and get through the game. Shows what you know! My disappointing $2,500 week stay at the Grand Hyatt Luxury Hotel. Problems with this room. There was a lot of mold in the shower. Just because of that, I was like, I want this fixed or to change room, because that's just fucked up. So I changed room. In this room, there is no mold, but like the mini bar has like two things in it and they don't restock it. I don't know why. They said to me that they would refill the mini bar every day and they didn't. They, they just didn't. They just said they would and they didn't. One of the lights next to the bed don't work, and I was confused all the time I was in here why pressing a button on either side of the bed turned on a light for only one side of the bed. It's because the light bulb was broken on one of the sides, right? I'm a person who likes to have a fitted sheet, then a sheet, then a duna cover, and so I asked for an extra sheet, they gave me one, and the next time they ch uh, changed the bed, they took it away from me. They also stole, or rather chucked out, TGG's contact lenses. Worse than this, like, like the last hotel that I was at, like, they'd give you breakfast. So yeah, come down, grab yourself some breakfast, it's fine. Here they charge you 50 bucks, a plate. Not like as a, as a group, whatever, 50 bucks, a plate. I might eat like, you know, eight bucks worth of food or something. I understand it's, an, it's a nice buffet or whatever, but it's like, I'm paying 2,500 bucks for the week, can I not have some breakfast? I understand, these are small complaints in the grand scheme of things, but it's like, this is like a luxury hotel that I paid 2,500 bucks for. If, if any of these things happened in like a $700 hotel, like $100 a day or something, like, yeah, that's, that's just what you get for a hotel like that. Well, the tour wasn't shown here. It was ultimately just the bed and then a bathroom. And the bed wasn't good. It was on wheels and just had a mattress that was worse than the one that I have at home. The price and the idea of a five-star luxury hotel, this isn't it. Movies have set my expectations where like every single fabric is in the exact right place and everything is perfectly immaculate, and that's why you get charged that fee. But this place isn't like that. Uh, it's called the Grand Hyatt. We'll try somewhere else next time. This is what my in real life streaming setup look like. Look how fat I look, chat. Yeah. I will 100% be losing these, uh, what am I pointing, like 88? I want to get down to 80, chat. Be thin again. Not simply barely underweight, barely under being fat or whatever, overweight I want to be. Stephen Ogg's cameo where he expressed dissatisfaction with being asked to say things as Trevor. Because I'm a cartoon! Ah, right? And I'll see you out there. We've talked about before how Stephen Ogg doesn't seem to be milking being Trevor as much as Michael or Franklin were. And Franklin didn't do it that much either, but I'm saying like, because Stephen Ogg has been in other stuff. Uh, he seemed to have a bit of, career, of a career before and after playing Trevor. It reminds me of actors on Seinfeld, how they were talking about, as the show was wrapping up, they were done with it. 
sure the networks wanted a few more seasons, but they were like, we want to move on to other things. We've been betraying these characters for so goddamn long. You know, we want to do other things, stretch our creative muscles. And in another interview, I think it was the George character was like, it's it's hard to get a role when everyone knows you as George on Seinfeld or whatever, right? If your character is so large and so well known, it's hard to like be in another role without being compared to your previous role. And uh, it's, like, it's like you're always living in your own shadow of your previous role. And I wonder if Steven Og has that same issue. Like he clearly doesn't love GTA 5. To him, it was just a role he did one time, but uh, for the rest of his life, regardless of what he does, if he manages to get anything else of that significance, people are gonna walk up to go, hey, it's Trevor, even though that's not his name. Some people like that stuff. Some people, you know, wanna put their mark, regardless of how that mark is made, and wanna be remembered regardless of how. But uh, I imagine Steven, at least from the little I've seen of him, he probably wanted something a little bit more prestigious or like he wanted to be a famous actor rather than be known as that character from that role. In the same way that you remember Leonardo DiCaprio, you don't remember like the characters that he played. Sure, he played those characters, but Leonardo DiCaprio is a famous guy where Trevor Phillips is more famous than the guy who played him. So if I saw Leonardo DiCaprio, I'd be like, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. If I saw Stephen, um, Stephen Ogg, I'd be like, it's Trevor. You know, and he, and he probably doesn't like that. Obviously, if I was in his shoes, I'd just be happy that I, were, like in, in the same way that um, uh, Michael seems to be, Ned Luke, where you just have major, put your mark on the world that people know your face. You did something that impactful. Like if for the rest of my life, people work up for me and they're like, hey, it's Dark Viper. I'll be like, yes, yes, I am. It's just, it's just a different mentality. Although it could also be related to the character that he portrayed because he played a crazy, violent psychopath. Uh, and he probably isn't that way in real life. And people have expectations of him and the way he conducts himself that wouldn't be true to himself, which would be certainly annoying. I know, that's what I'm saying. It's, uh, it's interesting. This, to me, is just more evidence of what we talked about before, how uh, Stephen Ogg has less of an interest in um, reprising that role and or being remembered for it. I mean, he's probably looking forward to GTA 6, so uh, he'd be less a part of his life or something. He does have GTA 5 in his cameo bio. It could be the case that he made a cameo and expected there to be, like, some of that stuff, but not that much. And he, and like, all the requests of uh, Trevor, he's like, I'm a guy, come on, I, I, I can do other things. What did the note from Dr. Freelander at the end of my pacifist percent run actually say? For those who are unaware, at the end of GTA 5, you were given a sort of mental evaluation sheet from Dr. Freelander. It's normally nothing too interesting. I am fairly certain that at least two times while making the pacifist series, I had to remake something, as in like, I lost a save file and had to go back and uh, quickly skip through to where I was up to, or remake the pacifist save file in general. Or like in the beginning, I wasn't using the pacifist save, a consistent save file, I was just starting each mission or something. I can't recall, but I know for a fact it wasn't one consistent save all the way through. But even if it was, there's no way in hell that the end screen would acknowledge that you didn't kill as many people. That's just not a thing, obviously. I always planned to make my own custom evaluation at the end. How many of you saw my custom evaluation that I painstakingly wrote with custom jokes at the end of the Pacifist episode? And how many of you didn't see it? How many of you didn't get that far or closed out when the screen went black? Yeah, so some people saw it. I saw someone put it on Twitter. So that was it. And that's all you're gonna get really. Just went to probably read the custom at the end of Pacifist and definitely gave me a chuckle. Good. All those jokes were right off the top of my head. Spent like half an hour on it. It's pretty good though.
everyone's live streaming quality will hopefully soon improve. The new Intel GPUs and Nvidia GPUs apparently have support for the AV1 codec, which will enable live streaming to occur at higher quality for the same bitrate. So at 1080p, the quality you used to get at 12K bitrate, you can now get at say 8K bitrate. It's just more efficient. The only problem is that like Twitch has to support the AV1 encoder, which from what I can tell hasn't happened yet. I think they said they wanted to roll it out completely by like 2025. I don't, it's weird that so much promotion is going into this codec, but it's, uh, at least on the streaming end with Twitch and whatever. I don't, I don't, like no one's saying if it's actually gonna be supported by the time these cards come out. I will still buy the 40 series GPU in the hopes that um, things look better with it, which it, which it should, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. The Onion, a satirical news publication, continues to paint me as a drug addict. The Onion, whenever like drugs are mentioned, uses this picture. They've used it dozens upon dozens of times, but it isn't just The Onion. Other websites use it too. This is the, like the, hey, you want a picture of a guy using meth? This is the stock image for you. It's on like every single website and every single time it's used by anyone. People in the comments are like, hey, that's tough I pay you. That guy's full on hard times, man. His inability to stop the whole reaction meta or whatever harming people is truly good at him. Ha 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 You're not funny. Why I am struggling to go back and finish Red Dead Redemption 2. I do want to, but it will just take so much fucking time. What am I gonna throw away like two weeks of my life playing through that entire game again just so I can see the end? That's nuts. Who would do that? When I try to explain to people why the game didn't drive with me, I always try to explain it this way. Look, I'm a very goal-oriented person. It's not a matter of slowness or grind or whatever. I just have to know of a goal and want to achieve it. As long as that's there, I will hit my face against the wall for hours and hours on end until either my face breaks or the wall breaks. I don't care. In Red Dead Redemption 2, all of it seemed entirely fucking pointless. Hey, yo, man, we've got this new camp. Need to make some money. We just escaped from the Pinkertons. Look at that. Failed to get some money. Pinkertons are after us. Gonna move location. Yeah, sure, you've just finally learned all the area and know where everything is and stuff, but we're moving location. Move location. Hey, we're in this new location. Need to make some money. Pinkertons are after us. Oh, no. Failed to make some money. The Pinkertons have arrived. Better move fucking location. And you do this in the third chapter, the fourth chapter, and the fifth chapter, you're thrown to the fucking island. And I'm just in there like, what is the point of any of this? What am I trying to do? What is this leading up to? Am I ever going to achieve something of significance? Is any of my struggle actually meaningful? And I've, I now, I've been told the ending, or at least parts of it, I'm like, oh, so it was leading to somewhere. Sure, nothing of what we did actually mattered at all, but there was some, there was a light at the end, there was a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And so I probably, had I known the ending, I might've just struggled along to see the ending. But what I've seen of the ending seems to suggest that everything done was pointless. But I, I guess I'll find out when I finally play it, but I just, I just don't. I just don't, I just, you know. It's about the journey or whatever, but most of the time, the reason why you want to go through the journey and you're willing to go through it is because you know what's at the end of it. The value of fan contributions to a successful YouTube career. In this business, it's uh, often very good to have easy sources of repeated content and fan contributions or just viewer contributions are always gonna be good for that. You've got a 
countless people with a very life experience that can uh, look at things in ways that you can't fathom and you can go, hey, here's a thing. What do you see? What can you think of? And you can get then prune the results to get something good rather than hitting your head against the wall for hours and hours on end to think of the best thing that you can conceive of. The annoyance of being unable to get broad feedback. I sometimes wish that I had the ability to just talk to every single person who watches my content, like immediately. When I make community posts or, you know, in videos, I ask people for feedback on stuff. I can only ever reach a small portion of people. I will sometimes have people ask questions about things that were resolved months ago or stuff that I was like, how could no one know this by now? But I get those questions like, huh, you know? I worry that the feedback I get is always biased towards the people who are most committed to watching my stuff. Now you guys right now are the few people who watch me just sit in a room and talk. You guys are the most dedicated people of my audience. I am retiring the This Is What You Miss series. These were 10 to 20 hour barely edited playthroughs of various different games that weren't worth the time to edit. So I'm probably gonna stop uploading This Is What You Miss because I fear that it's negatively impacting my other videos. While I know for certain that you can upload weaker videos and still have your other videos succeed, I cannot know for certain if uploading weak videos is having a significant effect on my channel. My channel isn't as healthy as I'd like it to be, so I'm gonna not do that for a while. If you are interested in watching This Is What You Missed, I set as unlisted all the remaining Noita episodes that I had uploaded, as well as the Super Auto Pets one, and they are now available in the playlist for This Is What You Missed. So there's what, like pff, 120 hours of content there now, more than that. So if you were just like, man, I just wanna watch you watch, play more Noita, it's there now, enjoy. No, I love This Is What You Missed, only like two to three percent of people would get past like an hour and watch to the end. It's just not enough people. The first episodes did pretty good. Like the first episode, of this is what you miss is sitting at like 200k or something, and that was like a 12-hour video. And the last Noita episode, I think, was like 70k or something, which was good. But uh, I have this thing where I'm attracted to the less complex problem to be solved. So when I started, this is what you missed. Whenever I was like, I need something to do be productive, work towards something. I'd put aside the more important stuff and I would do this is what you miss stuff. I, I would, you know, bring together the footage, skipping through it to cut out the, the large gaps, you know, syncing it together and all that stuff and then rendering it. And that would take time that I should be spending on more important things. I, I can't deal with the distraction anymore. It definitely did impact my other work, at least somewhat. I am finally going to look for more editors to help me. Yeah, so I'm working to find more editors to help me with my, with my workload. Uh, over time, I have streamed less and less, which made keeping up with speedrunning impossible and taken on more editing myself to avoid falling behind on things. I don't know how this ended up happening. At one point in time, I was streaming like six hours a day and then edit, editing for four or five, and that was fine. Maybe the stream would be a little bit less sometimes, but like eventually came to when I was like, I would, I would not be even streaming every day. Just over time, I just did. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. I think in part that might be because of illness. Like I just couldn't bring myself to have the energy necessary to do a long form stream. Also like my standard for my live streaming content increased. I'd be less willing to just sit and chill on stream for a bit. I would always need to have that YouTube energy the entire time. The amount of energy I'd have to bring to the table would need to be higher so I wouldn't start if I didn't have that energy. And it's, of course, because I always had more things to edit. I was always behind on things. It never made sense just to chill on stream for a couple of hours. 
compared to like actual actually editing. Like I just I just need more help now. What's what's ended up happening is that I have one person who consistently helps me, another person who fairly regularly helps me, and two people who help me a little bit. So combining them together, I've got two people helping me with editing. Like in last month, I believe of the 32 videos that released, I did like 26 of them or something. And that's just too many. Like sure, the ramp, okay, well, the rambles do take actually quite a bit of time now. But I mean, they they weren't like multi-day projects and, and chaos. Well, like, like what, what I mean is a lot of the videos that I'm doing aren't the most difficult videos, but just the number should tell you that I'm I'm doing a little bit too much. I need more time to, like in the same day, record two different things I want to do or something. I, I just I just need more help. The, the only reason I've managed to do all this is because I've got people helping me with other stuff where, you know, Wells helping me with facts and glitches and I've got people, people will upload my shorts to TikTok so I don't have to do it. I would give them the shorts and they do it for me. I've got Well monitoring Instagram and stuff. Not that I did that much myself before. Like in, ev in everything that's not editing, I've got people helping me now which has saved me a little bit of time that I could then throw at editing, but it's just, it's just too much. I've, I've got like a hundred DMs from people who want to edit for me and hopefully I can find someone competent. The big problem is that most people don't know how competent they are at editing. They can't assess their own capabilities. And so I'll get emails from people and I'll uh, look at their work and I'm like, how, how did you, how did you possibly think that this would pass? <laughs> it, it just takes so long to find someone who's sufficiently competent. It is always a hassle bringing on someone new, which is why I, I spent I, I spent so long just doing dealing with myself. Man, it's like butter scraped over too much bread. I love that expression from Lord of the Rings. Be sure to like and subscribe. Also leave a comment if you have something on your mind. My feed gives them to me from all over my channel. It doesn't matter how old the video is. I wish you all the best.